Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Keep the Receipts, the One Man Fast Break. I'm your host, Altamash, and this week's episode is going to cover the second round of the NBA playoffs. This is when it starts getting good. The first round, obviously, uh, is there's 16 teams that make the playoffs, so let's be realistic. Most of the series are pretty much decided beforehand barring any injuries and honestly this uh this first round i felt like there could have been some upsets but the favorites did take care of business and ended up winning the series um obviously the biggest one that was really surprising was the nets getting completely thrashed and dominated and off the court by the celtics and the other series that actually had a chance of possibly being, being an upset was the grizzlies and the timberwolves the 1-8 matchup, uh, I mean, the 2-7 the matchup in the uh, Western Conference. And, man, the the T-Wolves, the I mean, before we get started on round two, the T-Wolves got to be sick, right? Like, they had double-digit leads in almost every game and lost the series in six games. They were up double digits in game six. They were up double digits in game five and blew both games away. But that's part of a young team, just terrible shot selection. The one play that sticks out to me the most was with, uh, in Game 6. Uh, the Grizzlies were obviously kind of playing from behind the entire game. Then they took the lead. They went up by four. It was like two minutes left, maybe two and a half minutes left. And they bring the ball up the court, uh, the T-Wolves, and Carl Anthony, uh, Carl Anthony Towns takes like a 25-footer with 18 seconds on the shot clock. Like just a horrible possession, but a very symbolic possession of what the T-Wolves did. When they had big leads, just terrible shot selection, just boneheaded mistakes over and over again that the Grizzlies capitalized on. And Ja didn't have a really great series. And the Grizzlies were right there for the taking, to be really honest. But you run into it like, the Grizzlies are inexperienced, so you saw a lot of their flaws as well. But the T-Wolves had their chances and did not take them. And that's just inexperience and young players and terrible shots by Carl Anthony Towns, who I can't... Like, okay, Anthony Edwards, rookie, is his second year. Like, I could I could understand that. But, Kat, you've been in the league five, six, seven years. Like, bro, you got to be better. Shot selection. You know how the game works. You were in the playoffs. This is your second time in the playoffs. You were in the playoffs in 2018. Okay, at that time, you're young. You're inexperienced. But, dude, like, the game was there for the taking, and then you struggled. You didn't take the chances. You had your chances in game five to actually go up 3-2 to try to close them out. Obviously did not happen, but that's just a sign of an inexperienced team and young players just doing dumb boneheaded things that cost them a series that they really had a good chance to win, which would have been a, a pretty monumental upset come playoff time, uh, seven beating a two seed. Enough about the first round uh, and the Timberwolves' uh, lack of execution. I kind of want to get into the series and we'll kind of cover these series, I guess, from to me, the most interesting and the most that have the chance to be the most fireworks and to the least and so of course the best series of this second round is the Celtics versus the Milwaukee Bucks and I think this series is going to tell a lot about both teams um strictly from the fact that first of all is there, are the Celtics really that good they swept the Nets but we obviously knew the flaws that the Nets had on the defensive side of the ball we didn't obviously know about the flaws of Kevin Durant and how he didn't play great in the first three games. He was decent in game four, but it was a little too little, too late. 
But are the Celtics really that good? Yes, they were the they are the two seed, and we know the defense that they can play, and we know the kind of role players and the players Jason Tanner was becoming that superstar that everyone expected. I'm not gonna lie. I thought it would take a little bit longer, but man, that guy's come and he's arrived and he is great. And it's great for the NBA because he's so young and he's going to be great for years to come. But are they really that good? We're going to find out because they're going up against the defending champions in the Milwaukee Bucks. And Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak, uh, back-to-back MVPs, the final MVP, defensive player of the year. The guy's a complete stud. Easily right now the best player in the NBA. And I think there's a substantial gap when you get to whoever second is. Maybe it's KD, if that's LeBron, if that's Steph, whoever you want to put. Is that Luka, whoever that is. I think there's a big gap between Giannis and the second best player in the NBA. And that's coming from a James Harden fan. So, you know, I'm not, I don't like, I don't like Giannis that much. But, I mean, I respect him. And honestly, he's really proven everything that he is and more in the last year or two, especially being the Nets. But sticking course with this series, right? The first thing about the Celtics, like I said, is are they really that good? We're going to find out. They're facing the champs, and if they can do this against the champs, then they're going to be scary, and they have a real chance to win the title if they can get rid of the Milwaukee Bucks in this series. And then from the Bucks, from the Bucks perspective, I think the question is now is can Giannis win the series against the Celtics and that defense without Chris Middleton? Based on all the reports that are coming out, Chris Middleton is going to be out for the uh, the entirety of this series or majority of it, if not all of it. And so, Giannis without Chris Middleton, uh, he's the best player in the world. Can he do it without Middleton? That's going to be the biggest question because say what you want. Yes, we know Giannis is the best player, but their closer for the most part in a lot of big games has been Chris Middleton. The guy can get to his jumps. The guy can get to his spots. He can hit the mid-range. He made a lot of those shots in the la- in the closing game against the Nets in Game 7 the year before. And he's kind of the guy that they give the ball to because one thing that ends up happening with Giannis sometimes is they don't want to give him the ball because teams are you know willing to foul him because he's not a great free throw shooter. He's gotten better, yes, and he was amazing in Game 6 when he you know made all his free throws. But that's still a glaring weakness in his game, and you're willing to take a chance of Giannis shooting free throws than rather him dunking on your head or driving to the lane, kicking out to wide-open shooters. And that's what Chris Middleton helped alleviate for Giannis is he didn't have to hold the ball. He can kind of play off of Chris Middleton, especially and Chris Middleton is big enough guard. He's a two guard. But he's like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he can kind of, you know, he's great on the fadeaway. He's got a good mid-post game as well. And he's a guy who can get his own shot and can get buckets on his own. And that's very valuable in crunch time. You got to have, have different avenues and different players and different ways to score because... Um, it, it's so easy because most teams end up doing what they, they really do is run the ISOs and that's too easy to defend again. Yes, sometimes the players are so good that it doesn't matter if it's just ISO and they can still score. But ideally, you would want different ways to counteract uh, the defense uh, in crunch time and Chris Middleton did that for the Milwaukee Bucks. And they don't have that, so it's going to be a big series for Drew Holiday. He's got to step up. He's got to play better. And the one thing about the Celtics is They've got options to go at Giannis. You know, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Robert Williams, Grant Williams. They've got squad of players that can go at Giannis. That doesn't mean they're going to stop him. Giannis will still probably get his 28 and 12 because he just wakes out of bed and puts up those numbers because the guy is just 
physically superior to everybody else. And skill or no skill, it's 100% skill. Um, I'm willing to admit that. And it, it's it's going to be a really fascinating series because this will be, I think, even more impressive than them beating the Bucks. If Giannis can beat the Celtics, because I think the Celtics are really good. Um, but again, it, it maybe the Celtics is a little exaggerated because the Nets are so bad defensively and the Nets aren't. They're such a, a disaster in terms of chemistry and continuity that maybe the Celtics aren't as good as what the 4-0 sweep would lead you to believe. But if I had to make a prediction right now, I'm still sticking with the defending champs. I still think Giannis gets it done. Um, probably going to take seven games to do it. Um, but it would not shock me in the least if the Celtics won this series. And if the Celtics win this series, I think they'll probably be the heavy favorites to come out of the throughout the East, uh, even depending on whoever wins between Philly and Miami. But uh, that remains to be seen. Giannis is going to have a lot to say about who wins this series. And if Giannis is playing like Giannis can, um, the Celtics will not have it easy. So the second series that I think could be interesting is the Suns versus the Mavericks. Um, Suns coming off that, you know, more work than they probably required against the Pelicans because Brandon Ingram and those boys were were after it and they really put the Suns in for some real work. But uh, the Mavericks, obviously, Luka came back and he took care of business against the Jazz, who are the biggest pretenders to ever exist. Every year, it's the same thing. They always have a top four or five seed every year. And they always flame out because the Jazz do not have a top 10, 15 player. And they will never have one uh, unless they draft one. And currently they do not have one on their roster. And Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell seem like their chemistry issues are going to completely dis uh, disjoint that team. It probably already has. I think one of them is not going to be on the roster. Probably needs to be Rudy Gobert. You probably need to keep the guard because this is a guard-driven game. But... Let's keep track with the Suns and the Mavericks. I think the big thing was Brooker came back. Uh, he wasn't great in that game. Uh, he played in game six, uh, 13 points only, uh, five rebounds and two assists. He didn't shoot great, 16% from the three-point line. He was one from six. Um, and one thing about Booker is that he's like their closer, but he didn't need to be in game six because Chris Paul was perfect, 14 for 14, 33 and eight. The guy came back to his original stomping grounds where he was drafted by the New Orleans, at that time, the Hornets, and now they are the Pelicans. And Chris Paul closed them out. Just tough shots, just the middies over and over again, just killing the Pelicans. You know, death by a thousand cuts, right? The game was close, and every time it felt like they could have, you know, swung one way, Chris Paul come down with a floater, Chris Paul come down with a jump shot. Chris Paul was Chris Paul. And he took care of business. They got an ex another day actually of resting um, instead of having to play Game 7. And, you know, it's Game 7 is just one game. So things could happen. And Chris Paul avoided that. And Chris Paul is clutch as they come. Uh, and then, obviously, on the Mavericks side, like I said, Luka came back. Luka looked like Luka. Took care of the Jazz. And the Luka's role players start. Luka's role players played a mate, like, really great in that series pre-Luka. And then, obviously, as well, after he came back, Maxi Kleba was hitting a lot of shots. That guy seems full of confidence. Spencer Dinwiddie played great in the series. Uh, Jalen Brunson, not to mention, forgot about him. You know, 41 points in a game. 
and that was a career high. So Jalen Brunson's playing well. They've got great players, but I just Luca is going to be Luca. I think he's going to get his thirty-four and eight and eight or whatever thirty-four. He might even average close to a triple double, and he might even average one. But I think they just don't have that second guy. Who's that second guy for them? Is it Jalen Brunson? Is it Dinwiddie? And is it consistent enough? And I don't know if that's going to be the case. Utah Jazz aren't the same defensive juggernaut. They don't have the defensive versatility and the 3 and D guys that the Suns do. So I can see this series uh, probably be going six games with the Suns winning. And it's really going to be hinging on one thing, right? I think if Devin Booker is hampered or he's not himself, this series could go longer, possibly seven. And you could possibly see an upset, but I just don't. And I think Chris Paul and the Suns are going to get it done. Devin Booker, like we said, did come back. So he kind of already got one game under his belt a little bit. And now recovery, and I think they're playing tomorrow. So it's uh, it's going to be a good series because Luka is the best player on the court at all times when he's out there. And that's always something to be accounted for. Uh, when you have the best player in the series. But then the, I feel like the Suns have the next like three, four best players, right? Booker, Aiton, Booker, Paul, Aiton, possibly. Uh, so like the next three guys are the Suns in terms of if you're just ranking the both teams with who's got the best players in what order. Suns probably have like eight of the first like 12 maybe in some sort of ranking, right? And that's the that's the crux that Luka's facing. He doesn't have that second guy. And if he did, then this series will be a lot more closer than I think it'll end up becoming. But for me as a fan of NBA, of course, I would like the series to go to six, possibly seven games just to see the drama. But I think the Suns take care of business. They get to the Western Conference Finals in back-to-back years. And that will be in six games against the Dallas Mavericks and Luka. Next up on the list is the Philly-Miami series. And again, unfortunately for Joel Embiid and the 76ers, there is a major injury and Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid broke his orbital bone in a game that they were up by 30 points in Toronto in the closeout game. Joel Embiid, with about four minutes left, uh, took an elbow to the face from Pascal Siakam and now he's injured he's out indefinitely could be back nobody knows maybe he plays with the mask maybe he doesn't and man that guy can't catch a break it seems like Harden can't catch a break with the injuries that happened to him or his teammates in big playoff series but uh, this series could really be real quick and the biggest thing that's going to be deciding of this series is obviously the Embiid injury if he comes back and how he is he and then second of all can Harden become the number one guy if Embiid is out or if Embiid is not Embiid? Harden having to carry the load in series, he's done that for a majority of his career in Houston, but he wasn't required to do that in Brooklyn. Obviously, he got injured last year, but can he do it? Can he turn back the clock? Can he be James Harden of Houston where the guy, everything ran through him and the guy was producing at MVP levels? for five to seven years in a row. I don't know if he can do that. Uh, Maybe not consistently as he used to because I feel like the hamstring is still somewhat bothering him and he probably needs surgery on it and needs to like fully recover. 
maybe for a game or two he can, but I would love to be proved wrong. Um, and Harden kind of deliver a masterclass in a series against the number one seed. Obviously, no home court advantage for the Philadelphia 76ers going up against the Miami Heat, the number one seed. And Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and that team that P.J. Tucker, they got they got dogs on that team, as they say. And it's going to be interesting to see what James Harden can do and what the 76ers can do. Right now, they obviously, they're, they're not going to be favored to win this series because of Embiid's injury. Even if Embiid was probably healthy, I think maybe the, the bookmakers would still have uh, the Miami Heat as the favorites. Rightfully so, the number one seed, they got home court advantage. But if Embiid is healthy, he's the best player on the team. He's the best player on the court. And you can argue that Harden might be the second. Or you think Jimmy Butler's second. That's fair enough. Harden, you know, I think it's a fair game to argue the duo of Jimmy and Bam versus Embiid and Harden. Who's better? I would lean towards Embiid and Harden. But it's not like it's a big gap. um, As maybe in a couple years before, it probably was. And that's a testament to Bam Adebayo taking that huge leap that he has in the last few years um, to become an all-star, to become one of the best players in the NBA. And it's... Uh, I, I just don't know. I think like Embiid has to be close to 80% of himself for the 76ers to have a chance to win this series. And we know all the stuff that everyone's talked about with Doc Rivers and then James Harden and... Joel Embiid and how they've come up small in the playoffs over and over again. Some of it is narrative that's actually not 100% true, but we're not going to discuss that at the moment. Uh, I think it's, it's, this could be a great series. This could be an opportunity for Harden to show old Harden. Uh, I just don't know if he can do it at that level, but it's a wait and see on that. And I think Miami's going to win this series. It, it could possibly end really quickly. If Embiid is no, no longer Embiid, this could be a five-game series. But if Embiid can play and Embiid can be somewhat Joel Embiid, this could be a six- or seven-game series. I could possibly see. Right now, my prediction is Embiid is going to play. He's going to be somewhat decent. I could see Miami winning the series in seven games. I would love to be proved wrong. Again, there's my bias. Yes, I am. I want Harden to win. Uh, I, just, I just don't think it's going to happen if Embiid can't be uh, Joel Embiid. And right now it's looking like he's got a thumb injury that he had in the previous round. So he's been playing through that. And now it's the orbital bone. It's like, if it's not one thing, it's another thing. And uh, it seems like there's like a black cat running around the 76ers facility this playoff run. And they can't seem to catch a break with uh, injuries to their star man. But I think that Miami gets it done and they end up in the Eastern Conference Finals where they end up facing the Milwaukee Bucks. Last um, and kind of the least <laughs> interesting series to me is going to be the Grizzlies versus the Warriors. And I think that's just kind of what the first round showed. The Warriors played like the the championship team that's won it multiple times. They came in, handled business, took care of the Denver Nuggets in five games, looked almost unstoppable in the first three where they were just blowing the doors off the Denver Nuggets. Uh, with the MVP, most likely the guy, the MVP to be, uh, back-to-back MVP to be Nikola Jokic, who had an amazing series, but it's no surprise. The, the Nuggets had no chance. Um, they're very similar to me, like the Utah Jazz, where they just they just seem like pretenders. They don't they they can have a three seed, they could be the two seed, they could be the four seed, whatever. They were the six seed this year. I just think that 
they're lacking um that it like i just never felt that they have it and i don't know even if jamal murray was there even if michael porter jr is there i still think that they lose in five games because the warriors have that championship pedigree and that championship aura that they do and when the playoffs and the bright lights come on draymond green steph and clay they just know how to get it done and the nuggets obviously do not and i think this is the same thing the Memphis Grizzlies could have really lost in the first round. They really could have lost in the first round to the T-Wolves. So taking that into account, the Warriors with their championship pedigree and their aura versus an inexperienced Grizzlies team who were down double digits in games to the T-Wolves, the seventh seed. Like, this should be an easy series. I think the Grizzlies are going to lose in five games to the Warriors. The only shining moment or the shining star or like glimpse of hope that the Grizzlies have is that they match up better against the Warriors than the Nuggets do and that could play to their advantage because I feel like the biggest problem that most teams have against the Warriors is not Steph and Clay because everybody knows that those guys are amazing and they're going to get theirs is the Draymond Green effect somebody who can guard Draymond Green and then Draymond Green will have a little tough time guarding and that can be Jaron Jackson Jr. because He's physical enough, he's quick enough, he can move laterally. And the problem that ends up happening with Draymond is that he's much quicker than the guard guy that's guarding him. So you end up having, you know, these big guys like Jokic. And, you know, usually like in, in the series against the Rockets, it was Clint Capella. It's always like somebody who's much bigger than him, much slower than him, so he can take advantage of them. Jaron Jackson Jr. can move laterally. He's, he's quick enough to keep up with Draymond's pace and then also cause trouble on the other end. Uh, being a little more physical but I, I just don't see it if if it goes six I still I mean I don't see it going past five to tell you the truth um, Jaw is gonna have to play better if the Grizzlies have any chance of even making this a series or even having a chance to win Jaw's gonna have to play better and maybe he will but it's the playoffs and the Warriors got that mantra and they know what they know what they're doing they're playing these big games and the Grizzlies this is all new to them and this isn't a this isn't a shot, but that's just kind of how it is. Like you gotta go through those steps of failure to be able to succeed at the end. We'll see if that can happen, but I really doubt it. I think the Warriors are gonna get to the conference finals. We're gonna see a Suns Warriors, which was kind of what we expected starting from the beginning of the season when both teams were like you know twenty one and three, and they were running rough shot over the NBA. And then the Suns kind of took a big leap, obviously with Steph's injury. And Draymond's injury, the, the the Warriors kind of fell off into the three seed, and the Suns kept rolling, uh, winning over sixty games. But uh, the Warriors, I think, will take care of business, and then we'll really get some real series uh, come the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Suns versus the Warriors, and then Miami versus the Bucks. And so, looking forward to the games. The game is about to start uh, the Milwaukee Celtics series, so I'm going to turn on that. It's 11.52 a.m. Thank you guys so much for listening. And on that note, I'm out.